Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Can We Talk Executive Conversations. I'm always super excited. I know Lawrence is always super excited, but we have an amazing guest today. And you know what? I, I'm not even going to say nothing until Lawrence tees her up, but uh-huh. our topic today is leading yourself and others with joy. But Lawrence, please let the people know. Uh, <laughs> you know how I go, Dr. Yeah, Pam. You know, yeah, there you go. Hey, y'all, what's going on? I'm Lawrence Henderson. And can we talk executive conversations? We have in the building with us today. None other, none other, the incomparable, the magnificent Dr. Pamela Lord, affectionately known as Dr. Pam. Dr. Pam, what is going on? A lot, a lot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> hey, oh my gosh! Well, y'all, just before we, I allow Dr. Pam to just kind of break down all that she is to the world and what it all means to lead with joy. Um, I just got a little bit to say about Dr. Pam and all the things that she does. Uh, as you saw, maybe in in the pre-recording or anything else. Dr. Pam is the uh, CEO, uh, founder of Academy of Creative Coaching, which is an ICF accredited coaching firm uh, where I am a faculty member and I'm representing today uh, where we train coaches how to interact and engage with the whole person um, and all that that means. And so I'll leave some of those questions for Dr. Pam, but also she is the associate professor of leadership at Anderson University, South Carolina. She's also the director of education for the Institute of Coaching, McLean Harvard Medical School. Uh, And, and she's not only an author, but she is founder of Tandem Light Press. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And 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 again, her latest book, her latest work, is all around joy. That's why I call her the Joy Whisperer. And I, I know she affectionately uh, refers to herself that way as well. And so, Dr. Pam, can you just tell? I, I did the title stuff. <laughs> but tell people what it is that you really do to engage and impact the world around you. I well, I follow my heart. I know that sounds really corny, but that's you know what a lot of people ask. You know, why? Do, how do you do so many things, and how do you dive into you know from publishing to writing to being a professor to running a coaching school, and just they they all seem like they're just these random you know things, um, but they are all just. A result of following my heart and saying, you know what, I I see a need here, and sometimes it's based on a need that I have myself. So, um, for example, when I wanted to publish a book, I did a lot of research into the publishing industry, and um, this is back in 2013, 2012, um, and I realized, you know, there's a lot of um, predatory publishing companies out there, and um, they're taking people's money and are not publishing their books with integrity and um, and there is also an exclusive, um, I guess, nature to the publishing industry where you get published if you have a name, if you have access. And so I wanted to kind of resolve both of those issues. And, and that's why I have a publishing company. So that's just an example of how these things come to fruition as a result of really problem solving. Wow, that, that's awesome, Dr. Pam. Now, I, I really want to find out why you're called the Joy Whisperer, but tell us, what is your book called? What so it's not out yet, but I'm um, 
working on it. We're at the editing phase. We're at the vetting phase where some, you know, people are going to get to read it and give feedback. Ah, the scary part, you know, because right. <laughs> I've been, you know, working on this baby for a couple of years. And so when it's finally going to get on into somebody's eyes, I have no idea how people are going to receive it. But um, it's called um, Joyfully Single. And um, I have been, you know, I guess legally single, not married for probably 12 years and um, have had a couple of short-lived relationships in that time. So as you imagine, the majority of that 12 years, which is the bulk of my mid well, I, I was going to say mid adulthood, but I guess I'm not, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the bulk of my, I guess, adulthood, I'll just say that thus far has been single. And I've noticed that that is incredibly difficult for a lot of people. Um, and it's been incredibly difficult for me at times until I really put things into perspective and then thought about the, the benefits and, you know, what this time in my life can yield as a result of being single. And so um, how to take full advantage of that, um, as opposed to spending all that time on a hunt to find a husband. <laughs> right. Um, I will have the first copy, please. Okay. Thank you. But, um... <laughs> I say husband, but I also mean just spouse because it is for both men and women. In fact, a lot of the people I've talked to in preparing for this book have been men. And it's incredible to me that it seems that they have struggled the most because this goes outside of the stereotype, right? It, that, that they have actually struggled the most around singlehood because they they don't see it as like, they call it an oxymoron. I've had people say, how can you sit there and say that there's anything joyful about being single? It's terrible. The dating scene out there is horrible. And they are probably the most outspoken ones um, uh, who lament the single life. That's <laughs> just because we, we they, they got whole day teddy bear. And they don't like, <laughs> <laughs> find, like find nothing happy about I'm like, I'm supposed to give this away in childhood. Why do I got to hug a teddy bear still? Um, well, we have other toys. We ain't going to this family show. Family show. Family show. Family show. <laughs> you got to come back for the late night edition. <laughs> right. Another show. After That's dark. After dark. Right. So the funny part about Dr. Pam and her ability to navigate that question and to share what you just shared, Dr. Pam, is something that I've admired from you, of you, as I watch you work, because there's a level of courage and vulnerability that you approach all of your work with to land at that place of, hey, joy, leading from the heart. And, and so when you think about this idea of being an executive, being a leader in these different spaces, what has up to this point informed how you show up and continue to show up? You know, my own values and desires for my life. So it sounds very selfish, but that people benefit from that. And what I mean by that is when I, for example, was in my mid twenties, I was in my master's degree program and I was sitting there, I was a single mom. And thankfully the school had a daycare for the kids. And, uh, you know, at, and my classes were night, like 10 o'clock at night. So work the full-time job, pick my son up from school. Him and I got in the car, drove to college, the, you know, and he went to daycare class, got out at 10. It made it entirely possible, you know, for me to make it happen. But I remember sitting in class one night thinking, I'm going to create something that's going to enable parents to be able to parent 
and work and do that in a way that doesn't one push away from the other, um, where it's somehow um, the two can complement each other. And um, and that day, I mean, I'm sitting here daydreaming in class. I had a whole name for it and everything. It was going to be called corporate care with a K or something. <laughs> so that it's child care, but it was within the corporate setting. But I had always had this vision of somehow working from home, somehow having a flex life. That wasn't even a thing, really. When I was in my master's program, it was like in right after the 2000s. And, you know, this whole flex life, work from home. I was going to figure it out <laughs> somehow. And it occurred to me maybe about five or six years ago, wow, I have that I have that life that I was thinking about back then. And so little did I know subconsciously I'd continued to try to create that kind of structure because I wanted to be able to be completely present for my kids, to be able to be at whatever they had going on, to be home when they got home. Um, and, and so that's what I've done with my own companies is made sure that the way we're structured and the way we're set up is so that um, people can enjoy their families, whether they're parents or not. Um, there are people who are caring for their own parents. There are people who have interests that are about caring for the world in different ways. And so I want people to be able to do that um, and, you know, work the, the, you know, do the job that they love at the same time. And so that's, that's how I show up. I show up thinking about what is it that I need and that makes my life more fulfilling and how can I then make sure that this is creative for other people as well. That's, that's really good. But I do have to ask you, Dr. Pam, Lawrence like listed off a lot of different things that you actually do. So how are you able to find joy and still run all these different companies and be a professor at Harvard? Is that what? Um, a professor at Anderson and director of education at Harvard. Yeah. At, well, at Institute of Coaching, which is a you know, branch of Harvard and McLean, McLean Hospital. But yeah. How? I, I get that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, do you find joy? I, how are you able to, because all, mind you, everyone that is listening, Dr. Pam's businesses are doing well. Okay. <laughs> so she's, it, it's, it's working, but I just want to know how are you balancing this and finding joy and doing an excellent job? Like you're out here killing it. So well, thank you. <laughs> um, because I chose all of these things. And I think that's one of the things that, so when I was working the nine to five and there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with the nine to five, but the one that I was working was incredibly toxic and just, you know, people in that particular field, I'm in a, um, social media group that that's called expatriates of that particular field because they are, you know, and, and I'm seeing the different experiences that they had and what they went through. And there's just not a lot of care and concern about their um, time and their livelihood. And it's like, you're going to be here at eight in the morning. If there's an event at midnight, you need to be here. And then you need to show up again at eight in the morning. And it just made no sense whatsoever. And I remember spending most of my time there rebelling against that. <laughs> like, I'm not going to show up or I'm going to come in when I need to. If I'm here till midnight, I'm coming in at 10 and they're just going to have to, you know, whatever, you know. And so I was also the place um, where all of my colleagues would come and congregate in my office and vent and strategize about how we were going to survive the situation. So if that was the type of environment 
I was a part of, and I had multiple sets of these, and these were all my businesses, there would be no joy. <laughs> so, but the joy comes in, first of all, having chosen, you know, what I want to do, and then being able to really sort of design what that looks and feels like. And, um, and, and I'm creative. And so the opportunity to be able to dive into my creativity, whether for some people, they might not see this as creative, but create, creating curriculum, um, writing articles and, you know, all of these kinds of things, um, they bring me life. And I've made sure that what I do um, through each of these avenues are um, activities that bring me life. It wasn't always like this. You know, when you start first start a business, you're everything. So for the Academy of Creative Coaching, I was the enrollment officer, the financial aid officer, the enrollment the, or the billing person and the instructor and, the, <laughs> you know, marketing and branding. I was all of those things. And I did have moments where I said, I'm, I'm done. Um, but as I built a team, eventually the team refused to let me be done because even when I declared that, they'd say, Go take a break and come back and we got this <laughs> in the meantime. So, so the joy also comes in, um, well, I shouldn't even say also, but, but largely comes from the people that make up, you know, the team. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, so I, I, I know Dr. Pam, I believe I'm getting, I'm getting to know her even more with every interaction, <laughs> but in the things you've described in you found this five, six years ago and this level of intentionality to say, hey, I'm not that, but I'm gonna choose what this path looks like for me. And now we have this thing, the great resignation, and then we yeah. talk about again, coaching that whole person. Yeah. But from how you're seeing things and how you're engaging in the areas of leadership and coaching and all the rest of these things, how are you helping leaders engage in today's reality? You know, I, I am still the same rebel that I was when I was working at that nine to five job that, um, again, not knocking nine to five, knocking the toxicity of that work environment, because you can have a work from home environment that's toxic too. So, um, but I'm still that same rebel. So one of the things that I, I often I encourage leaders to do is to find the design of a work life that works for them. And, and to create that. And so if that means that you're going to take a day off or a few days off, and this is especially relevant for my doctoral students um, in writing their dissertations, you have vacation time, take every Friday off for the rest of the year and just do with, you, do with it what you wanna do, it chill, you know, and just find ways um, instead of going to, you know, lunch or go to lunch, but also add a meeting <laughs> on your calendar that enables you to take a breath, that enables you to just not have anything else put on your calendar. If you want to spend that moment creating or writing. Um, but I think those moments to ourselves are just as important as the meeting with the manager, the supervisor, because if we don't take moments to ourselves and, and build breaks into our day, um, we're going to burn out. And we've seen that happen. Um, and so I, my position with other leaders is you have to make it happen. You have to create it and you have to stand firm on it and you cannot waver from it. So if somebody is trying to shake those boundaries that you have, somebody wants to step into that, that private meeting time that you have, um, it's a, it's a firm no, you know, are you available to meet on Friday morning at nine? 
nope, I got something at that time, you know? And so and you can't shake from it. You can't you know, say, well, it really is just time for me. So maybe, no, 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 no. That's just as important. And so that that's how I really um, try to show up for leaders. So I do love that. So um, the topic is leading yourself and others with joy. So with that being said, how do you navigate and make sure that someone isn't taking advantage of, I want to say, for lack of a better word, your kindness? Because mm-hmm. you're so open, right? You're so understanding because you've been there. How, yeah. how do you navigate someone not taking advantage of you trying to make sure that it's a it's a great place to work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, one of the things that's important to me is um, an alignment of values. And if if we can be clear on what the values are, then it, then we can establish some level of trust. Um, and that's important to me. If if I'm finding that there's a misalignment in values, which I have experienced, you know, we've had people who have worked for us for um, you know any one of the companies, and their value alignment is not the same. And so they're not necessarily like. I'm passionate about this particular company or this particular endeavor because it helps and it serves people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more that I just need an opportunity to, um, you know, do some easy work maybe, you know, and so that's fine. But if that's all, if it stops there, then I find that when, when the rubber hits the road and really need people who are passionate about this to roll up their sleeves and get things done, they're less likely to do that. Um, and so that's going to be really important. And I understand that life happens. And that's part of um, what you were saying about, you know, what happens if people take advantage? Because some of the um, policies that I have, um, there is a um, concept which um, we're actually writing it up now. And it's this idea of um, situational diversity, meaning, you know, um, it's really this idea of having empathy for people's different situations. So if I have somebody on the team who let's say is pregnant and they're having a really hard pregnancy, I'm not gonna count their sick days and say, well, you know, you got five of them. So what are you gonna, you know, um, I'm, it, it's, it's much more subjective than that. It's much more human focused than that. Um, and so yes, people absolutely can take advantage of that. Um, people absolutely have taken advantage of that. And that's when we have a conversation about values and whether or not we're in alignment. And if we're not, then this is only going to be more of a painful experience for them um, than necessary. They're they're going to feel guilty all the time. <laughs> they're going to be coming up with excuses. There's going to be this level of, of uh, discomfort on both sides. And so it's, it's just really a matter ha- of having a really frank, honest um, conversation. Yeah, I'm glad, you know, and, and, and I know my wife is listening somewhere and I'm so glad you said values first because uh, I'm always getting hit over the head like you always talking about values. Um, but I'm Dr. Pam, like I love and, and I and I remember back in 2020 when we had our first conversation about becoming faculty and, and kind of it was like you went you went in it was like, um, so I, I heard you're a good guy. Uh, tell me more. Like <laughs> it was like she was like I don't I don't care who vouched for you, but it, 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 
make it make sense, homie. Um, yeah, that's important. But, but it's important because there is that level of alignment that if we're gonna ride together and we're gonna do this thing together, understand that I don't play this. Like I'm, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. Mm-hmm. And when it when it comes to the way that you engage, I love that you lead and you live through your values, and, and that's that's apparent in everything you do and how you engage. And so when you think about the next wave of leaders, what qualities will they need to have? They need to have flexibility was the first thing that comes to mind for me. You have to be able to blend, not blend, bend and and move and, you know, with the times, you know, the organizations that struggle with that, that are hard headed about that, um, they're, they're going to get left behind. Um, the International Coaching Federation, the accrediting body for um, Academy of Creative Coaching, has just launched this incredibly um, detailed new process for accreditation. I thought, this is amazing. I love it. Now you're putting all of our feet to the fire as organizations and you're asking us to step it up to show why we're doing what we're doing. You know, And, and I have a feeling the first thing I said to our COO was, oh, a lot of organizations are going to fall off because they are not going to want to, you know, adjust and do all the paperwork and, you know, they're not. And so um, I already, you know, that, so those are the organizations that are going to get left behind, those that are not flexible. I do also think, um, I'm actually working on a paper right now on play and playfulness. Um, And this idea of play is, um, play is the action, of course, the manifestation, but playfulness is really what, according to this paper, is really what makes the difference. And it's, it's an attitude that we bring. It's a mindset that we bring. And it doesn't mean that we're always joking around. It just means that we are a little bit more lighthearted about things. We're not tense. We know how um, we have some some coping skills when things get really tough. Um, and we know how to um, engage in play in a way that is going to nurture our well-being and the well-being of those around us. So I think that's going to be really important as well, that whole, and, it, and it's attached, of course, to joy. Um, but but yeah, so I'll, I'll just say, you know, flexibility um, and the willingness to have some level of um, playfulness with, um, because things are so heavy right now. We know how to be heavy. <laughs> we know how to be serious, but, um, a lot of us don't know how to just exhale and, and let go. Right. Um, I like when you said flexibility and playfulness, um, and realizing that what we've all been through in 2020, it's been tough, you know, the pandemic, we're, we're out of the pandemic now, but I find that a lot of organizations and leaders really don't know what it's like to actually care, mm-hmm. right? right? There was no genuine care. And that's why they don't know how to relate to their employees now that they're virtual, you know, or coming yes. back into the office. They don't know how to really have a conversation, really care. How are you doing? Are you managing? They don't right. care. Right. Their own head and no heart. <laughs> right? Yeah. These are just widgets, you know, they're not, mm-hmm. yeah, we, there's a means to an end and, and that whole element of care. And that's why I mentioned the whole human wholeness approach. You know, it, it, it's, we're not, I get that there needs to be levels of structure for different organizations. Mm-hmm. My organization is not one that has 500 employees, um, so that might be a little bit of a different spin. 
But as long as I'm able to, I want to be, I guess, conscious and sympathetic to the situations that people might be dealing with and not hold their feet to the fire and say, you know, you already used your three weeks of vacation for the year. Yeah, I know that you're going through depression right now and you're really struggling, but you got to figure it out at your desk. You know, like, can't do that. People are becoming much more aware now of wellness, of um, trauma. I mean, this is a, the most informed society about mental health than ever before. And so we can't dupe people anymore and just say, you know, who cares how you feel? especially this new generation coming up. They're not having it. And this new generation is coming into a generation where Zoom was the thing. Zoom was how they went through college. And, you know, and so we have got to be ready for the expectations of this group. They are not going to adapt to our old expectations. And, and it's funny that you, that you bring that up as, you know, I end another semester at uh, Morehouse and we kind of, you know, land the plane on this semester. And that was, was kind of the theme of kind of the last several years for, for these, this next wave as I'm teaching them leadership and professional development. And kind of what we landed on, Dr. Pam, is that very sentiment there is like, hey, um, you're not the expert here anymore um, when it comes to this type of stuff. And oh, by the way, I've been powered to believe that I actually know what I I know what to do with me. Mm-hmm. And, and so go figure. I know what to do with me. Um, right. And so let me help you lead me. Mm-hmm. And, and so that it would insinuate you hush up hush, 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 hush. <laughs> and, and, and listen, open your ears and, and, and all that. And how do you believe um, coaching will play a role in the interaction and engagement in, I would say, the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, you know, so so here's the thing that I love about Academy of Creative Coaching is that the curriculum we have really very directly addresses some of the concerns for today. You know, and so, you know, a lot of schools, they, of course, they, they all have their own different angle and the things that they focus on. And what I love that we focus on are concepts like nonviolent communication. So that's going to be key. You know, <laughs> how do you make sure that you're communicating in a way that does not um, alienate and shut other people down um, just by some of the, the things that you might say? Um, there is a new book that we integrated into our curriculum. Um, it's called Digital Body Language. And it's how do you communicate with people digitally? How important is that body language? Because I'm sorry, but just using the word K in response to something might be a trigger. <laughs> Please say that again. I, listen, I always respond to people, okay, when they put K in a text, I'm like, okay, potassium. <laughs> I love because, that. <laughs> and they're like, what's potassium? It's K. K, right. Mm-mm. I mean, it's like, hard to read the mood with things <laughs> like that. And so believe it or not, we have to be taught how, you know, what etiquette looks like from a digital realm, especially because we've gone so digital so fast. And we've dealt we've delved into this digital world and many of us have no idea what we're doing. We might be tech savvy, but are we um, emotionally intelligent savvy in a digital plane, you know? So yeah, so so the coaching piece to me, and I'm speaking from what the Academy of Creative Coaching curriculum teaches, we would bring, you know, we, we coaches can bring to the table 
better, um, more effective, human-centered communication skills. Um, that idea of being more culturally competent and understanding how different groups of people are impacted very differently by what's going on in society. And there's a lot going on in society. So from the war in Ukraine to black men being killed by police to black women being marginalized on the public political arena um, to immigration issues that are going on. Um, it, we are in a position to be able to lead the charge in how we respond to people based on their different kinds of experiences and honoring that. Because right now we're in a time where it's very popular to not only honor, not dishonor it, to not only dishonor it, but to take great pride in that. I mean, we see governors who are just taking great pride in, in how low they can go. And we have an opportunity to show up very differently. That's good. Um, you know, there's another thing that I realized when I'm um, consulting or coaching people in organizations, some leaders and employees, they don't hear each other. So one person saying this, it's somehow they're translating it differently and or receiving it differently. And even in mediations, I had to be like, well, no, that is not what that person said. Right. But they heard something totally different that they took offense to. Yeah. Exactly. And it's on both parties. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Are yeah. we no longer like what what happened? <laughs> and, and this is where the nonviolent communication piece is so important because we're speaking from our feelings and we're speaking from our needs and we're not, we, we, so in doing that, which is, it's perfectly fine to do that unless, you know, we, we completely disregard those same feelings and those same needs of the person we're talking to. Cause then, like you said, we're, we're doing this. Nobody's, you know, um, so it really does require that people understand you are not the only one in this conversation that has a need and you're not the only one in the conversation who has feelings. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, man, that is, that is so huge. Again, it's, it's often, again, when we're talking about, we talk through that nonviolent communication, again, understanding that, Hey, you need to be aware enough and actually transition over to self-management a bit to understand you're engaging from where you are, not yeah. from where that person is. And so be curious, not confrontational. Is is kind of the approach that we take here and be like, okay, ask a better question. Um and, and kind of, you know, steal your calmness, right? And be willing to, yeah. to be vulnerable enough to yeah, express yeah. what it is that's going on inside of you. Mm. Because you are if you know you're angry and if you're fighting about something and the other person has no idea what the stuff is that's coming up in you. Um, sometimes it's up to us to be self-aware enough to, to investigate and say, okay, what is going on with me? You know, this is what it is. And, yeah. you know, they, the other party may or may not receive it, but you've done your part. Yeah. It reminds me of that video. It's not about the nail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, oh, that's a hard one to watch. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, because it, it hits home. It's yeah. so hits home. You're like, oh, it's not about the nail, but I'll be like, ah, it's not. <laughs> um, so, so if you think about just kind of, I say, Dr. Pam, two things to, because again, leading with joy, like you're doing the research, you're tapping into the interviews, you're doing, the, you, you're doing this work. If you had to give folks, again, we've talked about a lot, two things to begin moving towards living and leading themselves through joy. What are, what are two things that you're finding are important? 
Well, it's first of all going to be important to understand exactly what joy is. Well, I think the biggest surprise that I've gotten um, doing this work and research around joy is that people don't know exactly what it looks or feels like, and they um, they they're they're they don't even know how to receive it. So, and it's so heartbreaking, you know, um, in having these conversations, I've asked people questions like, so how do you express your joy? And I've learned that that's not a good question because people are like, what is, hey, what is that? What do you mean? I, I, can you describe that more? And I'm like, joy, like, how do you express it? And, and people can't wrap their minds around it. They can't comprehend it. So from a leadership standpoint, it's going to be vitally important to first understand yourself, what joy looks like in you. And if you don't have it, then how are you going to cultivate it? How are you going to name it? What does it even look like? Um, if, if we can't do that, then, um, and it sounds like really basic, like, of course I can't create joy if I don't know what it looks like, but I don't know that a lot of people don't know what it looks like. I don't know if they know that about themselves. Right. Right. Um, Dr. Pam, I want to ask you, in your career journey, educational journey, who who was there to help you, you know, be, be a, a mentor to you, to bring you to the place that you are? Who helped you? Did, was there any one or two or several people that helped to guide you along the way? Uh, that's a, so yeah, and, and, and they're, they all showed up in different you know, arenas, you know? And so I would say, uh, first and foremost, I'm absolutely blessed that my parents did the work themselves. And they don't even know, that, I don't even know that they understood that they did the work, but when I listened to their stories and how they emerged into adulthood and made certain decisions about their families and what they wouldn't do that previous generations did, I'm like, oh, you, you don't know what you just did. Like you completely changed the tides wow. um, for, the, you know, your descendants. Um, so that's huge. Um, and then I had a mentor have <laughs> a mentor who, um, he, I, I met him. He was my research professor in my master's degree program. And he was very vocal about the fact that I am a good writer. And he just kept saying it. He wanted to support and nurture me through the development of my writing as a researcher. And I, it never really occurred to me to take that seriously, but he was so serious about it. He made sure he positioned me um, for different opportunities and um, and has remained one of my biggest cheerleaders, is Dr. John Hoffman. And now he's a president of a university. Like I've watched him climb too. And, um, and so he's been incredibly supportive of me from a career standpoint, um, whatever it is, you know, he's there front and center. Um, and, and I think there's just been like a whole host of people who show up right when I need them, right for what I need. And, um, yeah, and that's just been amazing. And I think, um, being receptive and willing to trust those people, um, is going to be important. There, there will be people who let you down. But you can't allow that to be the thing to not welcome in the people who are going to, you know, lift you up. So, yeah. Well, Dr. Pam, we want to say thank you so much for allowing us to 
snag you for a couple minutes because I know you you about to run off to something else or be traveling somewhere um, for some conference or something. But thank you so much. For Motherhood. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, there it is. The the moment the moments that matter. Mm -hmm. Um and and but thank you for this important conversation. This is the tip of the iceberg, y'all, um, of of who Dr. Pam is. Um, and so we are so appreciative. And so thank you so much. If you want to connect with Dr. Pam, um, the Academy of Creative Coaching. Uh, take off the B Academy. It's an Academy <laughs> of Creative Coaching. If you're looking for it across social media, yeah. um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, make sure you connect. If you're looking, seeking, uh, and desiring to be a certified professional coach uh, and you're really looking for a stand-up organization, I'm not just vouching for it because I'm faculty, uh, but, but it's, it's, it's our leader. It, it's well, Dr. Payne. What I know about you, Lawrence, is if you were faculty of an organization that you thought was whack, you you would have long been gone. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's, yeah, I, that's why I'm, that's why I work with so. Anyway, um, but. New, oh, news sorry. on another station. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, Tamiko, I'll I'll let you take us on out. No, that is it. I'm super excited. Thank you again, Dr. Pam. Thank you my, to my co-host, Lawrence Henderson. You know, he knows how to get the awesome executive. But um, Dr. Pam, do you want to kind of tell them when your book is coming out? When, when, when? Yeah, yeah. So we are looking at early uh, January 2023. So beginning of uh, next year. And um, yeah, joyfully single. So until then, um, you know, just be on the lookout for other works and writings that are really related, um, thejoywhisperer.org. Um, and I emphasize .org. .com is a whole other type of website. I don't know why, but .org. .org. So that's the other thing I know. We're about to go, y'all. I promise. But why are you called the Joy Whisperer? Yes, you did ask that early on. Um, you know, I... There is a lot of research out there on, you know, in the positive psychology world. Um, and, you know, some of the research deals with hope and, you know, other positive things. There's not a whole lot and there really hasn't been anybody who's really championed joy. Um, you know, there's work out there, but I've decided that I want to champion joy. I want to understand joy and I want to look at it from a wide range of lenses from the positive psychology world to the, the spiritual religious world, to, um, you know, just practical business practices and how we can integrate these three very different worlds into an understanding of joy. And so because that's my goal and my mission, I was like, well, I better own it. And um, <laughs> so, um, and a lot of people come to me asking me how to cultivate joy in their life. How do I do it? And so I'm happy to spread the joy and, and to share that with other people. That, that's amazing. With that, we're going to mic drop. <laughs> and um, thank you so much, um, Dr. Pam. Again, you have been watching Can We Talk Executive Conversations. Listen, go on and check out joywhisper.org. Yes. Joywhisper.org. Not yes. anything else. Okay? Nothing else. That's not her. That is not her. Okay. <laughs> but thank yes. you so much. Until next time, I think we'll be back in a few weeks. And um, thank y'all. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Pam. Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> Until next time, you all have a great evening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.